This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. Number one phenomenon. I created a sport that you could thrive in, and three players rule the game. It was only a matter of time before one of these creeps realized that the tape would go up as soon as they got a little blood on the track. Oof. Now, the world's most dangerous game. Have you thought about the girl? People disappear all the time. Will become deadly. And the only chance they have... What's it gonna be, us or them? ...is to fight back. Get out of the car! This may be getting out of hand. Maybe we should cool the whole thing off. No. Rollerball. Pop culture addicts. Man, I don't even know what to say. It's Johnny C. You're listening to the new TNN. And you know what? It might be arbitrary, and yeah, it, it, it might have been because I released a lot of shit top-heavy up front when I first started, but I cannot believe that here we are at episode 100 on the new TNN. I'm, my mind is blown. I never thought it would happen. Um, I have to admit that. Uh, so just a real big shout-out to anyone that's ever listened to any of this shit, to be honest with you. Um, huge shout-out to North-South Connection Podcast Network uh, for giving me my start last year and allowing me to just go crazy with the multiverse of fabulousness. And, uh, yeah, here we are. You know, it's it's episode 100. It's a huge cause for celebration. And the way we're going to do that is we've got a new show here, okay? It's our it's our newest feature on the new TNN, and it's called Junkman, and it's designed to take movies, well, that may have gotten a, a rough a rough rap in their life, and uh, we watch them, and we sort of relive them with all of you, and, and we decide, well, is it junk or is it not junk? And I could not be happier with the, uh, what we picked. I, I did not want to do another wrestling movie right out the gate, although more are coming, I promise, because Countdown starring uh, the show-off Dolph Ziggler was amazing. Um, and there's so much on Tubi. It's like a godsend for that shit, just as a side note and a public service announcement to anyone. But here on the Junkman 100th anniversary special, because, you know, that, that's how you have to talk about it, we're going to talk about Rollerball. Wow. This fucking movie. I cannot wait. So, it's 2002. That's 25 fucking years ago mind-boggling and the world was gifted rollerball it's a remake of a james con movie from 1975 you might remember james con that's scott con's dad scott con tweeter anyone want to see the new tweeter end zone dance it's called new tweeter end zone dance you couldn't see it but i was doing the tweeter end zone dance that's his kid scott con he recently passed away he's an elf uh godfather 
just to mention a few. But yeah, he's in Rollerball, and it came out in '75. And it's a it's a film that takes place in like a, a deep future. It's a it's a movie about a, a fictional sport, but it's also the backdrop for like a political uprising, and it's laced with social commentary. Uh, this is not that film. Let's, as we usually do, talk about the cast. Who are the movie stars? Who's bringing you to the cinema to watch a Rollerball? First up, we've got Chris Klein from American Pie or Street Fighter Chun-Li portraying Jonathan Cross, which sounds like an anime or a video game hero, I will admit. Chris Klein, of course, played Striker. Suck me, beautiful. (laughs) Guys, it's going to happen. She's a college chick. He's also in Election, but I refuse to acknowledge a positive Chris Klein performance on this show. We're just going to reference American Pie and Chun-Li. He's joined by rapper-turned-actor LL Cool J, starring as Marcus Ridley. The cast is rounded out by a, a lady, a sexy lady, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, who in her own right is talented, but they're obviously just casting her because she used to be a model playing Aurora. Following up, the villain of the picture is Jean Reno as Alexi. Jean Reno, you might know from such films as Godzilla, or probably Leon the Professional. Rounding out the cast, getting the and here. Unbelievable. And keeping the wrestling connection alive. And this is not the only wrestling connection to this film. We've got Paul Heyman, the advocate, playing the announcer. Yep, don't give him a name. He's just the announcer. So what's the plot of this film? Well, I told you the original Rollerball Rollerball takes place in the future. Well, this movie takes place in the future of 2005. So just three years. I never understand that. When a movie is made in like 1998 and it takes place in like 2003, it's like, come on, like, give me some time here. But nonetheless, in 2005, the new sport of rollerball, an extraordinarily violent extension of roller derby involving motorcycles and a metal ball becomes hugely popular in many countries. Marcus Ridley invites NHL hopeful Jonathan Cross to join him playing for the Zambal Horsemen in Kazakhstan. All right, so there you go. What the fuck do those words mean I didn't understand? Well, I promise we'll get there. Now, because this fucking game involves a fictional sport, I I debated whether or not to talk about the specifics of the sport exactly, but I, I pulled a couple of key notes from the fucking uh, DVD commentary or like the special features. And the track that this is played on is a figure eight. It's about 40 yards long and maybe 20 yards across. There is a raised island in the middle of the track that are called pods where the two teams sit. So it's a figure eight roller skating track and above it in the air hanging, you know, like there's a pillar and then there's a couple of benches and a little tube. All right. That little tube becomes important because it's part of the game. Now, the folks that made Rollerball never decided how many Rollerball teams there actually are. You know, you watch a movie like Any Given Sunday that takes place in a fictional football league, they at least at least do a good enough job of showing you some of the other teams. Here, not so much. Um, they don't even know how many people are on the track at a time. They know there's at least five to seven players and at least two motorcycles. Because, of course, what future game isn't complete without motorcycles? So let me just try to fucking summarize the the base of it before we dive into the picture. All right? Uh, we're a rollerball team. 
there's seven of us out there, and there's two. We got two folks riding motorcycles. We have to get a little ball into a fucking tube to set off some pyro to score a point. There you go. That's what it is. And we could do whatever the fuck we want. And the motorcycle people could do whatever the fuck they want. But hey, we've got motorcycle people. We can hang on to them. We can jump off of them. We can fucking use them like a goddamn trampoline. And there's no rules, basically. Until their movie needs there to be rules. Sound good? All right. So right off the get-go, the movie is an MGM picture, which makes me feel not comfortable. MGM is not known for their big franchise-esque pictures. Um... I feel like it's a studio that's ripe with interference as well. I don't have any data in front of me to back that up, but I, you know, when I see, it's kind of akin to me seeing 20th Century Fox back in the early 2000s as well. Not a whole lot of confidence there. A lot of movies ripe with studio interference. We get some crazy high-tech logos and words flashing across the screen, and then rollerball, and we're propped right into the action. We're in a city. Well, we're more on a cliff or a hill overlooking a city. And a shadowy, fat guy emerges from a van. He's a fat white guy, so he's probably got a lot of money. He opens a van to reveal Chris Klein sitting there with full Ostriker hair. I mean, Chris Klein is the year 2000 come to life. He's got a bowl cut with bangs and everything. The guy simply says, three photographers, 250 each. Chris Klein responds, I thought it was 400 each. So already, we see that this kid is money hungry. Kid, I don't care. Are you in or are you out? Of course, Oz is extreme. So he's like, I'm in. Now, I don't know what they're doing here, but they're talking about photographers, money, kid, are you in, are you out? They're obviously, they're shooting a porno, right? That's got to be what they're doing here. Uh, But no, they're actually not shooting a porno. The voiceover fat guy t- says to whomever's listening, I guess, as we overlook the city, you're racing from here to the bridge. Winner take all. If the cops catch you, you are on your own. So instead of illegal pornographic films, we've got illegal extreme sports. Yeah! It's the street luge. And Chris Klein's going to race a guy, and they're going to film it and upload it to the internet to make money, I guess. Is this what people were paying for on the internet in 2002? Was there like an extreme sports only fans? Hey guys, this is me, Chris Clyde, uh, better known as Extreme Roller Boy. Uh, welcome to my page. Thanks for subscribing. I just want to let you know for 10 bucks, I'll rate your skateboard. Send me your skateboard pics. I'll let you know what I think about it. For 20 bucks, I'll show you all my extreme bruises that I get in extreme sports. For 100 bucks, I'll go in the street and do some tricks that you tell me to do. All right? So hit me up, extremerollerboy.com. Woo! Cue the new metal, because it's 2002. Uh, Chris Klein, of course, battling in the street luge against a guy in a yellow costume. So we'll just call him Yellow Guy. And the photographers are tracking him here. They're, like, riding around on motorcycles, getting pictures. And they're actually talking to this Chris Klein as he street races, saying things like, Beautiful! Great job! One of the photographers is a lady, and she's like, smile! And we get a fucking freeze-frame, dopey Chris Klein smiling capture of a camera, of a picture. It's fucking glorious. It's the year 2002, so no movie would be complete without someone yelling into a walkie-talkie, cops, 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 cops! Sure enough, the cops are on the tail of these extreme sport athletes. We got to be in San Francisco here because there's lots of hills and jumping around. Um, Our hero, Chris Klein, 
Uh, he luges underneath a semi to avoid hitting a kidster with his street luge. So we know a couple things about Chris Klein right from the get-go. One, he's extreme. Two, he'll show you his tricks for 100 bucks. And three, most importantly, I guess he's an extreme good guy because he didn't want to hit the kidster. Now, this extreme street loose competition is getting more intense. I should also mention it's being edited to hell. I can barely keep track of what's happening, but we start kicking each other like that old video game Road Rash. Did anybody else play Road Rash for the Sega Genesis? Fucking tremendous about illegal motorcycle racing and you could kick your opponents. It's glorious. But Oz kicks the yellow guy. Yellow guy fucking defies all laws of physics and his street luge hits something, does a bunch of flips, and dude flies through a window in San Francisco. Uh, the cops are getting really fucking close now. Luckily, a sports car speeds into view and I guess rescues Oz before the race is even over. Will he even get paid? Uh, it's LL Cool J. He's driving a sports car and somehow he knew that fucking Chris Klein was going to be in this illegal race and he knew to come rescue him. Uh, he's like, grab the seatbelt, get in, man. Chris Klein abides. He gets into the car, but of course the luge goes. He's like, oh man, my board, how am I going to street luge now? But everybody's safe. And we get fucking dynamite Chris Klein LL Cool J conversation, folks. I mean, you're paying for it. You might as well get it. Woohoo! Marcus Ridley, how the hell you doing? Marcus Ridley, of course, is LL Cool J. And he's like, well, you know, man, same old, same old. I'm working with Krang and Mother Brain. Wait a minute. That's Ridley from Metroid, not Marcus Ridley. Uh, how long you been back, bro? I've been back three weeks hanging out with my kids. Why don't you take them over there, man? You can afford it. Look at all those baubles. So basically, Chris Klein has indicated that Marcus Ridley's wearing a bunch of jewelry. All right, I get it. Look at all those baubles. It's a word that I doubt Chris Klein's character would know. Okay? Because, yes, LL Cool J, whatever he's doing over there, we still don't know yet. He's making a lot of money because he's got a lot of jewelry on. But having a man-child like Chris Klein say bobbles makes me think of him as a youngster being like, oh, well, not so much as a youngster, but just being amused by bubbles. Whoa, man, look at those bubbles. I mean, can't you see Chris Klein being impressed with bubbles? Anywho, uh, Oz is like, man, uh, it's good you're going over there, man, but I don't know. I can't play over there. Coach, I'm supposed to be in the NHL, but, man, my coach wanted me to play D. And I don't play D. So like any good friend, once they're safely tucked away and parked, LL Cool J, or Marcus Ridley, hands Oz a brochure for a multi-level marketing scheme. Well, in this case, the MLM is the sport known as rollerball. He hands him a little brochure and says, man, they'll pay you five grand just to show up. Now we get a shot of this brochure. It's four pictures one picture is the rollerball logo. The other picture is a mountain. The other picture is a sunset. And the fourth picture is a fucking camel. Not going to get camels, but I don't know much about rollerball from this brochure. Oz is like, come on, Ridman, that's a circus, not a sport. It's a pretty sunset, though. Like, who, who fucking, who wrote the script to have him comment on the sunset? The important information is that he thinks the sport isn't real. It's some sort of a circus-based entertainment. LL Cool J's like, well, cash is king, man. In two years, you can retire. They love Americans, especially 
baby faces like you. So, hmm, rollerball is more of a spectacle than a sport, and they love baby faces. Chris Klein looks like he might take the offer. LL adds, man, it'll be just like high school. You run, I'll block. Ladies and gentlemen, LL Cool J has to be easily 10 years older than Chris Klein. And I refuse to believe that Chris Klein has ever been allowed to skip a grade. So how do they play at high school, huh? Oz, though, like most great heroes in cinema, refuses to call at first and leaves Marcus Ridley. However... He arrives back at his home to see his Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen have been murdered. Their corpses are set aflame. Well, it's sort of. It's sort of that. It's not that Star Wars, but basically there are cops at his apartment. And he's like, man, what am I going to do? Boom! Smash cut to the future. Now, time jumps in a movie can be dangerous sometimes you know you can confuse your audience but luckily this movie knows that anyone who's watching it for pure entertainment value is pretty stupid the credits start and we get a montage of news reporters uh you know talking about kazakhstan now this is where our film mainly takes place now kazakhstan is smack dab in the middle you know like literally the middle If you go east, you're in China, and if you go west, you're in Russia. So, wow, what about a melting pot of culture, and what a place to be, you know, and what a place to live in. Boy, this movie doesn't make it look fun, though. I'll tell you what. Uh, The on-screen text reads, Central Asia, four months later. So, again, at least they know their audience doesn't need to be bothered with the actual location. Just some vagaries, some vagaries. And that's okay. You know, it's just that... The, the team happens to be in Kazakhstan, so whatever. The rollerball arena is where we're at. We're outside of, the, you know, fans are, are packing the stands. They're, they're getting off work. They're showing up. We've got some new metal playing in the background. Woo! And now a car is stuck in traffic, and the dude in the back is just sleeping one off. The taxi driver's like, hey, dude, you better just walk because it's Sunday night and the mines just got out. The man who's sleeping one off in the back, well... His name is Paul Heyman. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, the mines are out, and that's a big part of this flick because the country they're in is so is very poor, and the workers are poor. So on a day when they don't have to work, rollerball eases the pain. You, know, you can go get a couple brewskis, do some legal gambling. I mean, what a better way to keep your culture in check. But the game is about to start, so Heyman has to hoof it. He's heading towards the booth. This lady's talking to him, uh, but he doesn't speak whatever language she's speaking, so he attempts to translate and stares her right in the face. Hey, I get it. Your nipples get hard at the very sight of me, right? I don't know if they do, but she does hand him an envelope, and what this basically is is the character description for Jonathan Cross. Ah, a new bio for the kid. Now he's a former rodeo champion. Wow, this sport is totally wacky because we get new gimmicks for the players at a moment's notice. Hmm. But the rollerball arena is active and live, and holy shit, the motorcycles take the court. These fuckers are so extreme, man. They've got paint on their faces. they got tattoos. Some of these people are wearing crazy masks. There's pyrotechnics everywhere. This shit is edited like a five-year-old has control of the camera, and then the editor's credit pops up, and I'm like, oh, well, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. There's some sort of court jester holding, like, a a bow staff. This game, actually, I kind of like it. I can't lie. Now, some players, like I said, are wearing masks, but there's one lady who's even got a tutu on over her armor. So, 
I get the XFL vibes, I guess. I don't know. Uh, one of the players here is former UFC star Oleg Taktarov. Uh, he plays for the Horsemen, the same team as uh, Marcus Ridley and Jonathan Cross. Wait, Horsemen? Woo! He's a local boy that used to work in the mines, and the working class folks that come to the games on Sundays, whoa, they love him. Now, the, the big screens in the arena start to flash some words, and it's shades of Goldberg during the peak of WCW, because the words John, the letter A, and then ton, like Yokozuna weighs a metric ton. So the tr- crowd can chant, John a ton, John a ton, you know, hooked on phonics is where it's at, but they're just phonetically saying, Jonathan, in the back we see a man silhouetted with his rollerball armor on and a fresh new haircut, and fuck me sideways, it is Jonathan Cross, a.k.a. Chris Klein, who we're now going to be referring to by his character name of Jonathan it's just insane. Uh, the bangs are gone. I miss it. But his rollerball armor. I mean, he looks like he's going to fight in a fucking future war. His jersey has a Statue of Liberty sewn onto it as well. So everybody knows he's the American character. It's fucking brilliant. He rollerblades out to the court. Does a flip. And there's some pyro. <sighs> it's fucking insane. Paul Heyman's now in the commentary booth, and he's giving the kids back, and he's all like, he's a rodeo champ and a number one NHL draft pick. He turned down Wayne Gretzky-type money to play here at Rollerball. He's Jonathan Cross. And now we see the TV control booth where everybody's running around like, oh, God, Rollerball's about to start. We've got to get on the, We've got to get on TV. And they have a fucking monitor that says Global Instant Rating System. It's at 17.2. But Jonathan comes out, and now it's at 18.1. Oh, we got a needle mover. Oh, Jonathan Cross going to come out here and play some more ball. Give me a hell yeah. Uh, you know, he's like Hollywood Hogan in the NWO coming out to, to fucking cut a promo, man. Keep Jonathan on my screen. Uh, Jean Reno from The Professional is here, and he's playing Alexi, which is basically the Vince McMahon of Rollerball. Of course, he's got a big shit-eating grin on his face, and he's in a luxury box with lots of babes, and he's like, get to my friends some beer. They are my investors. <laughs> I'm evil, Jean Reno. Uh, Marcus Ridley tells Jonathan to put on his armadillo armor, or it could be a dildo. I'm not sure, but I think it's armor, because he's like, man, those fuckers will ruin your spine, man. Uh, you know, whatever. Jonathan? Spikes the camera and says, Hmm, gotta catch me first. It's a fucking trailer line. It has to be a trailer line. It reeks of trailer line. Uh, we meet Toba, who's a member of the Horsemen. He's a little bit less intelligent than Jonathan, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, he wears a mask and roars. He's like a big defense guy, and Jonathan's like, Hey, Toba, how's it going, man? See, we know Jonathan's a nice guy because he's nice to Toba, who's having, you know, he's not the smartest guy on the block. I don't think they're, you know, veered into Eugene territory here, and, and that's not cool, like, to just do that. But at the same time, like, dude's definitely sort of Rube Baker from Major League Two-esque. We meet Aurora. Oh, she's a Rebecca Romaine Stamos. She's a femme fatale. She's got all this body armor and a... F- she looks like goddamn lipstick robot. Like, I... I She's got a mask that covers everything except her lips. Kind of dominatrix-esque, and she's one of the motorcycle drivers. And she's like, hey, Jonathan, no more hot dog American shit. Mm, You can smell the sexual tension here. Heyman lets us know the game's about to start. It's the horseman taking on the horde. He yells the rules. You gotta circle the track twice, and then you can score. 
Another commentator they cut to, he's like an Asian guy. He's like, it's really that simple. As simple as using a lifestyle female condom before sex. And Paul Heyman's like, oh, this guy. How, what's he doing selling stuff on the commercials? I can't believe this. Like, he's some sort of evil fucking dude because he's, he's doing the ad roll before the game starts. Get off your fucking high horse, Paul Heyman. And by the way, check out some new fucking triple X action sport drink. Oh! Like, I don't get it. Like, Paul Heyman's a sleaze bag, but yet he's offended by this. It just doesn't gel. Like, he was a sleaze bag to the lady talking about her nipples, and now he's offended that they're selling condoms during before the rollerball game. It just doesn't make sense. We see an absolutely pathetic CGI model of the track as Paul Heyman explains the rules. You know, you know that genius part in Titanic where they show the old Rose, the uh, 3D model of how the Titanic sinks and basically lets us know how the entire third act of the movie is going to go? Yeah, think the opposite of that, and that's where we're sitting here with Rollerball. I don't know. This shit just cracks me up in retrospect because this is such a response to, like, oh, man, sports are getting crazy. What are they going to be like in 10 years, man? Oh, my God, there's going to be motorcycles and shit's going to explode. Like, I don't know. But the game is practically just wrestling. Like, each team has a – there's, like, a giant gold plate. There's two of them, one for the fucking horseman, one for the horde or whomever's playing. doesn't fucking matter. But you have to throw the ball at it hard enough to get the pyro to ignite. No pyro, no goal. So, I mean, it's just professional wrestling. Now, the Horde, that being the enemy team, has like a skeleton guy as their main player. And everybody's betting on who's going to get the ball first. It's that hardcore, kind of like the running man. And the horsemen get the ball. And Paul Heyman makes the call. It's rollerball! Now, I'm going to cover this first game in a little bit more detail than I would like to when talking about a movie, just so we sort of get a feel for what the game is, because it's a fake video game, or fake, well, it's practically a fucking video game, um, but, you know, it's fake, it's, it's, it's not like a movie about baseball, you know, where you know the rules, so, we talked earlier about how the players kind of sit on this island above the track, also near the players area is this tube called the rabbit hole. So if you get the ball, you have to go up a ramp through the little rabbit hole, and then you dump out in enemy territory. Then you can start scoring some points. That's like going around the track. Don't ask, okay? I didn't make this fucking movie. Now, Jonathan defies the laws of physics, fucking roller skates off of the hockey paneling because there's a uh, plexiglass hockey shit around the entire thing and scores in like 12 seconds like he jumps off the planks of the plexiglass then he jumps again in air now it's fine if we're playing a video game as a matter of fact i like my video game characters to be able to double jump but somebody fucking put the cheat code on jonathan here and he scores and the editing's awful but there's a great moment where he he goes to the bench and score and he takes a massive chug of this drink because he's fucking thirsty. You know, he's a hell of an athlete. He's an American athlete. And they make him retake the drink when he's trying to get back on the court because, you know, like a noob, he drank it with the label not facing the camera. Now, this is absolutely Jonathan's fault, man. you got to know where the hard cam is at all time. You can learn a thing or two from professional wrestling, Mr. Cross. And it's 2002, so now that we've scored a goal and we know what that's looked like, I think it's time for the game to enter montage mode. And of course, 2002, so here comes the boom! Here comes the boom! Ready or not? How you like me now? So, during this montage, uh, Alexi, 
who is, of course, evil Vince McMahon, uh, he's sitting in with the investors, and his number two is talking over the montage. And he's like, Rollerball is the number one brand of sports entertainment in the world. And Vince McMahon charges in, but security holds it back like, you son of a bitch, sports entertainment is mine. Uh, but the most players make peanuts, but we do have to pay the headliners. Hmm, what you talking about there, brother? You ain't paying everybody the same you're paying me. Some dude flies up the ramp and crashes into the plexiglass. We get some cartoon sound effects and this hardcore Eastern European fucking death game. I don't know. It seems like we might have a tonal problem here. Aurora scores a game. Or, I'm sorry, she, she runs over a dude with her motorcycle and scores a point. Then Oleg Tektarov scores a point and takes out the opponent's court jester? Like, does that matter? Do you get any points for that? Alexi tells the, his investors that he wants Rollerball City to become like Las Vegas? What? Like, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's like, we take this city, we make it like Las Vegas. But don't tell me what city. I'm assuming it's just Rollerball City. We're going to go with that. The lady with the tutu takes a swing at the ref and goes to the penalty box. And that is a penalty box? This montage is insane. Paul Heyman is up in the box commentating and smoking a J. Now, when the tutu lady gets put in the penalty box, he's like, Fox in the box! Fox in the box! They put a fox in the box! That has to be some sort of JR riff, right? Like, I mean, they're letting Heyman read his lines. Now, he didn't write this line, but he delivered it that way. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Uh, La Guillotine scores a point for the Horde. Guess where she's from. Now it's time for Toba, the simple guy, to come on and, and you know, play some defense. And Heyman's like, they called in the catcher, the 400-pound monster. Alexi, in a very serious moment, talks to his investors and says, the game will not be corrupted for the people. You know, we need to keep heroes alive. So, much like Vince, he believes in his own creation. Um... Somebody tell oh it's the uh, it's the number two guy who's called it sports entertainment. There's like a big fight on the track towards the end of the montage, and the number two guy tells the referee not to stop the fight because the ratings are now down to fourteen point five, and the montage finally ends. Jonathan gets into a fight with a rival player, and Ridley's like, "Dude, that guy's on PCP," and he's like, "I don't care, man. I'm fast as the wind. I'm Jonathan Cross. Ain't got nothing on me." Uh, and it's revealed that the horseman's coach is a cranky old lady. And Aurora is demanding that Jonathan Cross passes the ball some more. Yep, I can smell the sexual tension between the two. We get some more bad editing. Aurora scores a point. Her nickname is revealed to be the Black Widow. So somebody better call Marvel. I mean, it's 2002, but they still own that shit, right? Now, <laughs> a very sad slash glorious moment as Toba gets his helmet knocked off on purpose by a rival player. Then the dude on PCP that Jonathan was fighting with earlier skates towards Toba with no helmet, and dude just slams the rollerball right across his face, and we get a great zoom on Chris Clyde, and he goes, Toba, no! The ratings go up to 16.8, and the evil producer's like, no, 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 don't show that part of replay. The part of the replay where they knock off the dude's helmet on purpose. Such corruption here at Rollerball. Uh, somehow, though, they do show the replay on TV, but it's they use the footage that the movie had. 
Because as Toba gets smacked across the face, we cut to the movie camera that's right behind Toba's head, and we see it in slow motion. Well, there wasn't a rollerball camera there. There's a movie camera there. How does rollerball have this shot? It just doesn't make sense. But the ratings go up to 20.1, and Toba is getting carried out. He's, he's screaming pretty fierce here. It's kind of sad, kind of funny. Again, they showed the replay once more, and it's just the fucking footage of the movie. Drives me bonkers. Jonathan skates over to the house band, because, you know, it's an extreme sport. they got to have a house band, right? And he's like, he knocks on the glass like, play my theme song, because he wants to go out here and get some fucking revenge. I swear to you, this happens. I couldn't make this up, okay? And, and Jonathan leads all the horsemen onto the track in some sort of crazy game of follow the leader, but they just skate around. Everybody's like, oh, man, what's going to happen? And the ratings shoot up to 23.6. The officials leave. They're just on the sidelines. And Paul Heyman's like, you can feel it. Jonathan Cross is going to go over the top. Well, then why not have the band play the over the top from fucking over the top? But a rollerball finally comes into play. And the band's just playing like... They're not even playing a fucking song. And Jonathan's checking dudes and the horsemen are like running over people with motorcycles and using their own teammates to, to as battering rams against the opposing team? The editing of this fucking movie, I just want to scream. I, like, you can't see anything. You just see, like, random people jumping out of the frame and then motorcycles jumping off ramps because that's what people want. What is America? Just, just I don't know, just, just take that motorcycle and ramp it. People come see it in the cinema. I'll tell you. It's like evil Knievel, man. Um, I feel that there's chaos happening here, but not in a good way. And Jonathan takes the ball, and it looks like he just purchased his own wire foo team. What's the movie? Oh, it's a fucking fat bastard. He's like, hold on, my wire foo fighting team's not ready. Jonathan Cross is having none of these problems because his wire foo team is ready. Because he jumps, he leaps an incredible distance, he sticks both legs forward, like he's in the fucking city. Like he's sitting and stretching, okay? And <laughs> he fucking, he's playing a game of, an insane game of roller fucking Street Fighter because he kicks like three dudes in a row. His momentum and trajectory are not altered in any way. And these guys tumble like they're bowling. It's like Street Fighter Extreme Bowling fucking roller ball edition alpha plus or something i swear i have expect l cool j to come out here and be like yeah good job man hadouken actually that would be really fucking cool but the ratings shoot all the way up to 38.2 we cut the paul Heyman spinning in his chair like woohoo like i guess everybody's getting is this like the end of caddyshack hey everybody we're all gonna get laid yeah the ratings guy, like the guy who watches the ratings, is dancing in his fucking control room. And Jean Reno's like, America from sea to shining sea. I guess he's happy that Jonathan's here. <sighs> There's a great gag post game. I guess the horsemen win. Marcus Ridley is being interviewed by a Russian reporter. He's got a translator. The reporter says in subtitles, Is it true your mother's a crack whore? And L. Cool J's like, no, she's a fucking pediatrician. And the translator answers, yep, totally true. She's a fucking crack whore. So I do love that they're they're fucking writing these narratives for their American players. It cracks me up. Then we cut to the locker room. Ah, and it's a co-ed locker room. Shades of Starship Troopers, if you will. 
Now, of course, we do get some unnecessary nudity, but I always give movies that have this type of stuff in it a little bit of credit because it's like, well, you know, maybe someday we all could maybe just coexist in this locker room and treat one another like people and not sex objects. But then, of course, the new guy on the team is like, hey, my name is Rabbit. You want to see my cock? To Rebecca Remain Stamos. And so, you know, there goes my entire theory. Uh, Jonathan sees Oleg Tiktarov taking some money. And, of course, we all have to pause to watch Aurora undress, you know, as ones to do in a rollerball locker room. Uh, Jonathan and Marcus take some time to drive their big American sports cars around Rollerball City with absolutely no concern for public safety. Much like the Rollerball games themselves, the way this fucking freeway thing is filmed drives me bonkers. This production doesn't believe in a steady cam. The camera bounces constantly, and I want to fucking cut my throat because it's giving me motion sickness. Of course, we go to some sort of crazy European bondish club. Before we can get inside, there's a weird moment. Jonathan watches a rich rollerball dude steal some food from a vendor. Now, it's not funny that he does this, but what's funny is the rich guy bitch slaps the vendor. We get a replay of it happening, so we see it twice. But Jonathan's watching this thing, and this has got to be some of the social commentary stuff to try to get in here. But I can imagine his inner monologue as he witnesses this theft. What? Money supposed to be for food. White guy no give money. I sad boobs. Jonathan's dialogue throughout this club scene is pathetic. You get a lot of, yeah, whoa, no, that's great. Uh Uh-huh. There's some casual gunshots in the bar. Jonathan spikes the camera and he's like, love this country. Must be filming a Budweiser commercial here because all of a sudden, the twins... A couple of twins arrive, and they go up to Marcus Ridley, and they're like, Hey, big American, you hung like horse? Of course he does what any respectable man would do in this situation. He fucking makes horse noises and like, Yeah, bitch! <laughs> you gotta do whatever it takes, man. Fucking angling the three with the twins? I'd be a horse, too. Some girl that plays with Jonathan is like, Hey, Jonathan, come party with rest of rollerball team. And Jonathan's way too surprised to see the team here. He's like, hey, caught you. How are you? Oh, man, rollerball team. What are you guys doing here? It's like all the local players. Uh, they're like, thanks for big bonus checks. Thanks to you American Yankee heroes. And they're getting their numbers tattooed on their faces. I guess that's like a rite of passage for the team. Of course, Jonathan's like, no, nah, man, we got to remember Toba. We got to think about Toba. Let's take a toast to Toba, man. Oleg Tektarov, a fucking beat-up UFC fighter, man. And I'm talking old-school UFC, man. Like, no rules UFC. Is acting circles around Chris Klein here. He gives a big speech about pay scale problems to Jonathan. He's like, I make 10% what you do, Jonathan. Look at this. This world going crazy, man. And fucking Jonathan's like, what's up, Danny? What's wrong? What do you mean, Danny? I would just... Fucking punch him and leave. You're not going to get through to this Yankee fuck. But he does show him Toba's helmet. And the strap was cut. The one that's supposed to go around his chin like it was supposed to fail. And Jonathan's like, man, we got to show this to Alexi. Luckily, Alexi is in a private room above the bar. It's hilarious because we smash cut to the private room. And there's like a fancy pants room above this techno grunge bar where there's like 
paintings and shit on the wall, like violins music playing. There's all these naked chicks and drugs and everything. And of course, uh, Alexi's trying to put on a show for his in- big American investors. He's like, this Jonathan, our cowboy. Yes, this Ridley, he my homie. Uh, he's like, this guy from Montana, he got a lot of fucking money. You better smile. Uh, you know, but he doesn't say that. He's nice to Jonathan. Uh, this is Duke Cannon from Montana. He got a lot of money. And of course, hey, I'm Duke Cannon. All this Duke Cannon Montana guys missing his a fucking cowboy hat. Um, but yeah, topless chicks, drugs. Alexi is showing the helmet. He's like, oh, Jonathan, I can't believe this happened. I will take care of this. I mean, he, I mean we've all seen this before. I mean, come on. I mean, as soon as Jonathan leaves, he like tosses the helmet. He's like, who want to blow off my cock? Like, come on. Uh, but Jonathan decides to call it early. He starts driving home. And all these big rollerball players, they have chaperones. Like, there's always dudes in big vans behind them. Jonathan's driving at night. And he's talking to the chaperone in the van behind him like, Hey, man, what's up? He's like, How you doing, Mr. Jonathan? You play good game tonight. And he's like, Hey, man, how come it feels like we always got the freeways to ourselves? And he's like, Well, because we shoot it on closed fucking set, you Yankee doodle prick. And it's like, No, we're we're poor country, you know. Uh, not a lot of people have cars. Now, before I get into the big kicker here, please note, Jonathan is driving... In his fucking sports car with the top down. He's got no earpiece in. I see nary a self. How is he talking to this guy? Because he's driving like 200 kilometers per hour because he's a big rollerball star. <laughs> anyway, dude's like, we're not a rich country. We don't have cars. And she's like, yeah, no shit, it's not a rich country. But how come everyone's always betting on the rollerball? The rollerball? How come everybody's betting on the rollerball? No, that, no, no, hold on, cut, take two. You don't want to take a second cut, director John McTiernan? That's the one you want in your picture? First of all, he said, the rollerball. How come always betting, everybody's always betting on the baseball? No! Rollerball! The V is unnecessary. Plus, his head was practically bobbing back and forth. Why is everybody always betting on the rollerball? Oh, Chris Klein is a gift that keeps giving fans. I believe that. <laughs> now, of course, last time we covered Dolph Ziggler, who was a maverick cop. Well, uh, Jonathan Cross is a bit of a maverick rollerballer. So he speeds away and loses a chaperone to head to what appears to be an abandoned factory of some sorts. Oh, well, he goes inside and it's actually the horseman's gym. And Aurora is here, lifting while topless. Well, that helps with the stretching. You know, you got to do it. You got to do it. It helps with the flexibility. It's important to not be restricted. She sees Jonathan, destroys the security cameras with like a golf club, and they start to play fuckball. She, uh, she, she pushes Jonathan towards her chest. And folks, I mean, hey, look, rollerball is exhausting, and Jonathan is hungry, so he goes right in for dinner. Yep. Poor Rebecca Remains Stamos had to allow Chris Klein to suck her nipples. Ah, the things we do for money. We see them post-coital in the sauna, and he delivers what might be the greatest line in cinema history. Hey, you think we could do this in a bed sometime? You know, with sheets and stuff? It appears to be some sort of forbidden roller romance. She's like, Jonathan, if they knew we fucked, they use it against us. Well, no, they use it against me. He's like, come on, Aurora, why are you always living in the dark? You know, your face isn't as bad as you think. Wait, what? Who, who says this to a Rebecca Romaine Stamos? 
Oh, oh, I see. She turns around. She's got a little scar around her eye. I thought it was a fucking tattoo when I saw it earlier. She's like, I know my scar is not so bad. He's like, yeah? Then why you always turn your left side to people? Hmm? Fucking Chris Klein, ladies and gentlemen, cutting to the core of mental health. He's like, well, hey, man, look, you got to hear about Toba's helmet. She's like, I know. It was a fucking work. She's like, the TV guy showed me the original footage. She pulls up like a fucking supercomputer and they hack the net. And she's like, look, 15 seconds before they attack Toba, every camera is shooting him. And I'm like, well, hey, lady, that's just fucking knowing your product. These guys, these guys know that you put that fucker on the track. He's liable to get his ass kicked. But, uh, you know, obviously they knew it was coming. It was a, It's a fucking work, man. What do you want? Haven't you ever fucking watched wrestling? But uh, she's like, we need to go see my TV guy. I'm like, yeah, I need to go see my TV guy, too. I need a fucking new one. Uh, but they get caught in some protest traffic near the mines. A bomb goes off. They got to go hide in this apartment while the uh, fucking riots come. You know, it's just, uh, well, uh, you know, news said riots between 10 and 10.10. So we just wait 10 minutes and it stopped rioting. But they do nuke Jonathan's sports car with a mullet of cocktail. He's like, my car, man. Uh, they take her motorcycle to see the TV guy. His name's Sergey. They go to his apartment. They find a guy there uh, who kind of attacks him. Of course, Jonathan is a master of roller foo, and he beats him up, then delivers another exquisite rollerball one-liner. Let me guess. This isn't your friend Sergey. We then cut to later at an airport. I think we're missing some footage. This movie is hacked to pieces. I'm not just making this up, but because now Jonathan has like a full five o'clock shadow that he didn't have in the scene before, and he's weary of every single person that works for the Horseman team. He tell he talks to Marcus on the plane. He's like, you know, man, they they fucking set us up, man. And Marcus is like, well, what do you think was gonna happen? But he does say, if it gets too dangerous, we'll leave the country and we won't play rollerball anymore. Now we head to Azerbaijan. And look, I don't know how to explain this transition, so I will tell you exactly what happens. They get to the airport and they all drive in their fucking fancy cars to go play rollerball against Azerbaijan, okay? We cut to a TV where four skinny Asian gentlemen are wearing towels and they all sing, Wole Bole! Wole Bole! We smash cut to the rollerball arena and it's time for Gabe 2. Of course, it's 2002, so Rob Zombie's Feel So Numb is playing. Oh, man, look, here comes Edge. JR, can you spell Enigma? And speaking of Kingfish, ladies and gentlemen, Alexi is at the game meeting another business prospect, Shane McMahon in a giant fucking coat. Unbelievable. Shane McMahon is here in a non-speaking cameo uh, meeting with Alexi. And I tell you, we go to the arena and Azerbaijan has some fucking badass helmets on their team. I mean, they make no sense. They make zero fucking sense. But there's like a fucking dude that looks like a demon. There's a cobra chick. There's a dude dressed up like a knight. Uh, we start playing the game and uh, the 2-2 horseman girl hits a Luthes press on the Azerbaijan knight and like rips his helmet and feather off. It's pretty nice. We see uh, Marcus Ridley talking some shit to the fans like, I'm right here. Come on. You want to fight me? Yeah. So they're healing it up here in Azerbaijan. It's smart. Uh, Pink is here. You know, pop superstar Pink. I mean, she doesn't say anything. And they're still playing Rob Zombie, but she's uh, singing in the arena. But, you know, again, she's she's smothered by the sounds of, I feel so bad. I feel so numb. Yeah. 
Back outside the arena, Alexi is talking to a TV guide. He's like, hey, what channel are we on here in your country? The guy's like, oh, channel 106. Fucking Alexi loses it. He's like, you put me on channel 106? Shane McMahon looks on like, man, that guy's crazier than my pop. Because we see all these reaction shots of Shane like, man, that guy's fucking crazy. Alexi pulls out a gun and tells the TV guy that he will end his line. He will kill him and his family if they don't get on channels one through five. Unbelievable. (laughs) But it's fucking amazing. Uh, Back in the arena, though, even though the horsemen are easily winning this game, the global rating is only at an 8.6. You'll recall when Toba got beat up, it was like a 28.2 or some shit. So what are we going to do to get this rating up? Up in the owner's box, like, everybody's whispering, so they must have something planned. Security's like, yep, it's time, so it must be time for a big old roller stunt. And sure enough, the new guy on the team gets checked through, like, a gimmicked wall, and the crowd attacks him. Marcus, Jonathan, and Aurora all share a look like, oh, man, we're just a bunch of independent contractors, and we don't matter to the promoters at all. But the rating does hit a 20.5, so not all a loss. Uh, afterwards, Marcus is like, Jonathan, just smile and take the money because we're too valuable to this whole thing. We're not the ones that are going to get hurt. But Jonathan, man, he's feeling down about this whole thing. So it's time to hop in his car and, and drive dangerously while listen to some fucking Slipknot. I swear to you, he likes slams on the gas and he looks angry and it's like, everything sucks and I can prove it. Everything dies, shuffle on, remove it. Individuals, indispensable. I'm the Paradox D&D Fressel. <laughs> now look. I I enjoy Slipknot from time to time, but come on, man. He's angry, and it's like, everything sucks, and I can prove it. <laughs> I guess Jonathan drives all the way to fucking Mongolia, because now the rollerball map pops up, and we're in Mongolia. And fuck me sideways, Slipknot, the actual band, is here singing that fucking song for the fans in Mongolia. Jonathan sees a bunch of poor people at the stadium, and he's like, oh, why are people poor? Aurora's like, hey, guess what? They found Sergei's body. You remember Sergei, the TV guy? Marcus is like, what's wrong? What are you guys talking about? Jonathan sees that they're being looked at by uh, rollerball security. And he fucking breaks into some story about football to get to you know get him off the scent. He's like, man, it was crazy. I was at the 40 and you were at the 20. And it was like, oh, man, touchdown. Like, I can't even do it justice. You just have to fucking see it in some of the worst acting ever. Uh, Heyman gets on the mic and he's like, well, the Mongolian blue team has been on fire this season. The fucking blue team? All right. Jonathan still isn't wearing his spine protector, according to Marcus, and it's time for game three. It's only drawing a 7.2. Alexi is pissed. He tells his number two that it's about to go down. And uh, basically, the blue team motorcycle guy and this fucking... uh, how, How do I explain this? All right, so... The blue motorcycle guy uh, is fucking around with Aurora, okay? The red motorcycle. You know, Jonathan's girlfriend. And out of nowhere, this huge blue player steps in front of Aurora's motorcycle, and she wrecks because he puts his knee in front of the motorcycle, and it crashes. Is this fucking blue guy Bane? Oh, yes, Aurora, look at you. You're mobile now. Your body is flying across the rollerball arena. Oh, very good. Now we shall have some tea. Uh, But there's no time for tea because Blue Bane rips the fuel intake on Aurora's motorcycle. But 
he does politely give it back to Aurora. See, I'm a nice Bane. You're welcome, Aurora. I even filled it up for you. <laughs> but here in Mongolia, Aurora is driving away. And, of course, there's a lovely line of gasoline behind her. Uh-oh. Bane has some sort of cigarette device or some sort of f- fucking fire device. And he drops it on the fuel trail. But thank God, Marcus Ridley, LL Cool J, the fastest man on the planet sees that there's a trail of fire going to blow up Rebecca Romaine Stamos's Aurora. And sure enough, Marcus Ridley can outrace fire, and he does. He pulls up beside her motorcycle and yanks her off to safety. It looks, it's the same shot from Terminator 2 where the Terminator yanks John Connor. But, you know, this movie's directed by fucking squirrels, so it doesn't look as good. But it's the same shot. The motorcycle explodes in a weak-ass cheap explosion. And then, one of the greatest things I've ever seen, Marcus is driving on his motorcycle so fast that he drives over the plexiglass, goes flying, and crashes down onto the arena floor. We cut to Paul Heyman, and he's unamused, but next to Paul is a TV of the actual rollerball game being played. (laughs) This dude yells, rollerball! And we see Marcus fly over the top. And then they replay it six times. And every time this fucking dummy goes flying off the motorcycle, the guy's like, Rollerball! 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 (laughs) Cut to Marcus on a stretcher getting put into an ambulance. Jonathan gets with him. Uh, As soon as they shut the doors, Marcus yanks off the oxygen. I guess he's fine. And he grabs Jonathan and he's like, We are leaving. It's amazing. Now we're at the hospital. You know, Ridley's fine. Jonathan tells Alexi, because Alexi's there, like the whole, you know, the reporters are there, and Alexi's putting on a big show, like, oh, yes, everybody's fine. No big deal. Just rollerball. But they all leave, and Jonathan's like, Alexi, you promised me you'd stop this. Okay, wait, pause. What What did he... Is this... This just reeks of more shit being cut out, because they only had that one minor conversation, and there were no promises made or anything like that. However, Alexi, that being the great Jean Renault, gives the performance of a lifetime. He's like, my boy, dear God, your tone. How have I denied you? I have made you a rich man, an international star. I have created a sport just for you. I have given you complete freedom and even satellite TV. Basically, he's like, come on, dude, I'm rich. You can trust me. But that that fucking satellite TV at the end is a fucking amazing throw. And it's fantastic. Um, we smash cut to Alexi leaving the hospital and he, he gives his, uh, his henchmen some orders. He's like, watch them. If they shit, I want to know what it smells like. Uh, so he apparently is launching his own OnlyFans to compete with Rollerboy XXX from earlier. Mm-hmm. Oleg Tektarov and Aurora show up and give our heroes some money. Uh, they couldn't get into their apartment to get them their actual money, so all the players on the horsemen scrounge together the measly amount of funds that they have, and uh, it's time for Ridley and Jonathan to head to the Russian border. Jonathan's like, Aurora, wait, I thought you were coming with us. She's like, you know I can't leave my mother. Well, well, okay, Aurora, it's nice Jonathan knows this, but maybe include the audience next time. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't really know how to explain this, but uh, we cut to the next scene. Ridley and Jonathan are, well, Ridley's driving a truck, a big truck, and Jonathan's in the passenger seat, and they're out in the middle of nowhere, and, uh, you know, Ridley's really giving it to Jonathan, like, you know, man, this was serious, this is some asshole coach back in college, these guys will kill you, 
And, um, well, I could, the thing I can't describe is that for the next 10 minutes or so, the entire film is presented in night vision. You know, like green night vision, goggle vision. Now, I, I guess they might must be trying to say that these two men are really, really out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere racing to the Russian border. Like, they're on a dirt road. There's no lights to be found. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's some sort of way of saying that these men are risking it all. Like, they've given up everything for freedom, even light. And I, I really respect that. And, and this movie has really earned my respect. However, then I did some internet-based research and found out that they, they put this night vision filter on in post-production because when they filmed all this footage back when they were making the movie, they just didn't light it properly. And so the night vision was the only way to salvage this very expen- expensive part of the film. Rollerball, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, some bad guys show up. And Jonathan is coaching Marcus how to lose him. He's like, come on, Rid. There's your fender. Squeeze him. All right. God, I just love Chris Klein. And the night vision is awful because if you thought you couldn't see shit before, I mean, now you really can't see shit. Fuck the camera shaking. I mean, there's just no light. Marcus is like, Jonathan, you remember Squeak Harris? Of course I remember Squeak Harris. Remember how he died? Ridley, don't do it. Wait, what? Squeak Squeak Harris? I don't understand at all. Ridley makes Jonathan drive. They slam on the brakes and spin the truck around. And Ridley and Jonathan pop out of the back on a motorcycle riding together. Jonathan squeezing onto Ridley. It's very beautiful, actually. And that's fine. But how did Squeak Harris die? I I, I guess I don't know. Because we, you know, it's later and Jonathan and, and, and Ridley are driving on this dirt road and I cannot do this scene justice. But it's basically Chris Clyde yelling at the top of his lungs like, Hey Ridley, how fast are you going? 120, man, this bike can't take that. Like, it's it's really bad. But I see some big lights behind them. and But it's only 10 clicks to the Russian border. But Jonathan's like, man, the bad guys are here. Man, how are they catching up with us? What are they driving? And he says this three more times. Like, what are they driving? Finally, it's revealed what these guys are driving. And ladies and gentlemen, they're in a fucking giant plane. So they're just driving a plane because it's not flying yet. It takes off right as it before it hits them. So were they just driving this plane? Like when we saw the lights coming up from behind on a curvy mountain dirt road, were we to assume that they were just fucking using the plane lane? God damn it. Ridley drives through a barbed wire fence and the wires snap with a comical Looney Tune spring sound like Barton. He's like, <laughs> we got an off-road bike. Did Jonathan yells with a straight face. Well, I got news for you, Rid. They've got an off-road plane. Some military jeeps burst out of the back of this giant plane. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Some off-road military jeeps come out of this plane. And there's the border. We can see it. They even stopped to take a look at it. And, and fucking Jonathan's like, that's it? What do you want? A Stuckey's at a casino? I understand that reference because I've been to a Stuckey's. They then drive down a steep cliff. Jonathan decides it's more important to lift a fist in the air and yell, woo, in premature celebration as opposed to hiding on tight. 
Uh, one of the Jeeps tries to go down and comically crashes. <laughs> it's very funny. Now, Alexi's in another Jeep, and he's got all his corporate thugs with him. It's the corporate team. Uh, one of these dudes has China's pyro bazooka and starts just shooting fireworks. At least that's what it looks like. They hit the bike, and our heroes crash, and the bridge to the border is lifting. It's one of those bridges, you know, that boats go under. And uh, some math majors here decide that the little motorcycle can't make the jump across the bridge if both of them are on it. Jonathan makes the sacrifice play and tells Ridley to go, because, you know, he's got kids, man. Now, the bad guys have a sniper rifle. And in true Vince McMahon fashion, Alexi gets uh, gets to the guy with the rifle and he tells him not to shoot yet. He's like, you know, I want to see if he makes it. That guy's like a goddamn horse. He's a hell of an athlete. Let's see if he can make the jump. Sure enough, they treat this much like rollerball as a spectacle. Marcus makes the jump. And then Alexi's like, okay, now you can shoot. Uh, the sniper rifle is fired. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on LL Cool J. Marcus Ridley, he died as he lived, I guess. Uh, that is also a wrap on the night vision filter. Thank God I can't handle it any further. Uh, Marcus was fine. You know, now that LL's gone out of this movie, I mean, he was fine in what he was asked to do, but uh, not really a whole lot going on, except when he brayed like that horse. That was impressive, I will say. And uh, hopefully he got with the twins before his untimely death. So after you kill a dude's best friend, there's always that uncomfortable moment where you have to get on the plane together and talk about what's going to happen in the future. But Alexi, he does a really good job of this. He gives Jonathan a fucking sweet offer, a hundred grand paid out however he wants, and all you got to do is play in the championship game, and after the fucking North American cable deal is closed, he's free to go. He'll even get his own retirement game. And wait a minute, Alexi's waiting for this North American television rights deal. Is that why he was talking to Shane McMahon? Is he trying to get on the new TNN? JR, I gotta tell you, I was negotiating with some rollerball guys, and oh man, they are P.O.'d at Jonathan Cross. Jonathan uses the PG-13 fuck. Go fuck yourself. Now, Alexi has a total Vince McMahon reaction to this and opens the fucking back of the plane as they're flying and everything starts flying around. Lenny's like, don't throw that sack of shit out of my plane. Thank God the henchmen hold Alexi back and close the plane door and cooler heads prevail. Uh, you know, and then Alexi's number two guy, the, the, the worthy guy comes up and he's like, Jonathan, think about Aurora. Don't you want to don't you want to make sure she's safe? You know, he's playing good cop. If you take the deal, we throw in the girls. Now he gets uh, now he gets Aurora on top of everything else. Dude, play. Play. We take a pit stop at the mines and Alexi gives Jonathan a speech like, you know, we're not so different, you and I. Well, it's not quite that, but it's basically, I don't need to own the mines because I own the man who owns the mines. Jonathan finally starts to act like a real sports entertainer, tells Alexi to keep the money. He wants ownership of the team, a percentage of it. He wants a percentage of the gambling revenue, and he wants part of the TV deal. Alexi, God help him, agrees to this. There's no way Jonathan is stupid enough to believe that Alexi's really agreeing to this, though, is he? Oh, fuck, he is. Um, but then Jonathan's like, you know what, man? I don't even want Aurora. I'm tired of her. Get her out of here. He's obviously tried to save her. He's like, just trade her, Alexi. Alexi is like, oh, sure, no problem. People disappear all the time. He's like, whoa, dude. 
I said traitor. Come on, man. You don't need to make her disappear. Alexi's like, okay, just this once. I won't kill her. I'll trade her. Jonathan leaves. Alexi flips out at his number two. I'm so close to the cable deal. Shane McMahon promised me. Um, it, 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 his assistant's like, well, you did tell him you'd give him a retirement game. Alexi smiles like, oh, Sanjay, you rat. You're glorious. You're a rat, but you're my rat. Trade the girl to the Golden Horde. Then we finally, finally return to the Horseman's home rollerball arena for Game 4. The Horseman locker room is really sad and silent. Everybody looks nervous. Paul Heyman's like, this is it. There are four teams in the quarterfinals of rollerball. Of course, the quarterfinals, by definition, have eight teams, but whatever. He unveils the cover story they've given to the media for Marcus Ridley not appearing, and I quote, He contracted malaria when participating in an archaeological dig in the tropics. It's so over the top and glorious. I love I love the idea of Marcus Ridley leaving rollerball and like putting on the fucking fedora and being like We gotta go to the tropics for archaeology purposes. Like he's goddamn Indiana Jones. Oleg Tuktarov, uh, whose name I should mention is um Denny, like oh hi Denny from the room. He's like, hey, did Ridley really get malaria in the tropics? And Jonathan's like, are you fucking serious? Now, Aurora is in the Horde locker room because, you know, she's a member of the Horde now. And she's just wearing a bulletproof vest over her tits. Whatever. They're just objectifying her. I kind of feel bad. Uh, But she sees the owners hooking up the Horde players with nefarious, like, armor and sharp shit, obviously, to use against Jonathan. Paul Heyman tells us that the Horde has recently received an influx of new players from other teams, so it seems like they've gotten all the most evil rollerball players in the world here to take out Jonathan. Jonathan, speaking of which, he makes his grand return to the rollerball arena. He sees Aurora on the Horde, and he's pissed. He looks over to Lexi, and Alexi's like, Yeah, I made you American promise. Yeah, big thumbs up. And the best part is Jonathan has this look on his face like, Fuck. I'm really stupid, huh? Icing on the cake, Paul Heyman announces some last-minute rule change, rule changes to the final uh, game here in the movie. No fouls and no penalties. Anything goes. And then he covers Mike. He's like, this is bullshit. There's no rules like this. So even the advocate for the tribal chief realizes this is some bullshit. And the coach of the horseman tells Jonathan, and she, uh, against her will, because she's not a part of this conspiracy. She's like, they told me as long as you play well, they will let Aurora leave on the horde plane tonight after game. So here we go. It's game number four. It's the big rollerball main event. It's the junk man main event as well. Denny, of course, is freaking out. He's like, oh, Jonathan, there's no penalties. It's going to be crazy. Jonathan sees that Aurora has been tattooed by the Golden Horde right on her face. And he's like, they tattooed her face. What are we going to do, Jonathan? I don't know, Denny. I guess we're just going to play the game. Uh, The game does start. And Jonathan Cross has learned something from his little journey. He decides to pass the rollerball. He passes it to Katya. You guys remember Katya from earlier? She's like, hey, Jonathan, come drink with us. Well, she comes back and she scores a goal. Good for her. Aurora steals a motorcycle from the horde, tackles Jonathan on the court with a goddamn motorcycle. Well, that seems safe. They're late on the track and they have themselves a little tiny conversation right here in the middle of rollerball. She's like, Jonathan, they're going to 
kill you. He's like, I know, Aurora, but you need to get out of here. I want you to be safe. And we should probably stand up because we're in the middle of the fucking rollerball track. But Blue Bane, you guys remember Blue Bane from earlier is now a member of the Golden Horde. He picks Aurora up and zip ties her and they just throw her on the Horde bench. So she's out of here. And you know what, folks? Legendary film director Alfred Hitchcock would be proud because the Gold Horde busts out some weapons. They look like golden pooper scoopers. I don't know what to call it. And somebody slices Jonathan up his back with the golden pooper scooper, and he's finally wearing his armadillo spine protector. You remember the armadillo spine protector? Somebody on the horsewood bench is like, oh, he's wearing his spine protector, you know, because the audience is fucking stupid. But they talked about it three times, and it paid off. Yes, one of my proudest moments in all cinema is legendary film director Alfred Hitchcock is when I saw the picture Rollerball. It was a tremendous film, and they showed the armadillo armor three times. The horsemen are like, oh, Jonathan knew they were coming for him. Wow, he's some kind of genius. I don't know, flip side, I think the entire world knows they're coming for Jonathan Cross. I don't know if I'd call him a genius at this point. Jonathan gets his own pooper scooper. I see at this point it's basically like a lacrosse stick to toss the rollerball around. And he starts fucking up the Golden Horde members. He slices the shit out of one of the Horde members that's wearing a mask. I'm assuming the character name is Robot. Because poor Paul Heyman has to yell at the top of his lungs, Jonathan Cross just took out Robot! Jonathan makes a big rookie mistake here because, you know, it's his first time playing heel and he starts taunting Alexi like, yeah, what up now, bitch? And somebody sideswipes the shit out of him and he does like six flips and lands hard. At this point, they start dragging Jonathan with their motorcycles and Alexi's little number two Sanjay's like, um, I think we should call this thing off. And Alexi's like, what are you talking about? It's, it's just now getting good, man. Come on, I'm just, I just sat down. I got the hot dog. I want to watch the game. And, uh, Jonathan gets, uh, you know, he's getting dragged, and the horseman coach is calling for all the players to get off the track, and they're like, she's crazy, they'll kill her for telling us to do that. Jonathan's like, nah, man, everybody needs to clear the track. Sergey is now begging for Alexi to cut the feed. Alexi's like, don't you dare cut the feed. I, th- I think he's kind of got a murder boner. And, you know, th- I'm not here to judge Alexi, that's fine, but he's he's really getting into it. So all the horsemen do end up clearing the track. And Jonathan's all alone, and he starts talking to Ridley in his head like, Well, guess we gotta give him a show, Rid. I would pay money to see a version of this movie where LL Cool J shows up in the stands as a force ghost and just watches the ending of the game. Jonathan gets into a fist fight with Bane, starts getting sliced up. He's clearly on the losing end. Both teams are actively watching. And they're like, uh, this is getting kind of weird. Jonathan has done a hell of a blade job. He's like .8 Muda. And the Golden Horde team starts to get off the track, like the ones that aren't corrupt. So basically everybody but Bane and another guy. And they're like, fuck you, I'm no longer going to play rollerball. Sanjay, that little rat that works for Alexi, tells the folks in the TV truck to cut the satellite feed. They do, and we cut to some people around the world watching Rollerball like, Hey, where'd my Rollerball go? Oleg Tektarov, as the lovable Denny, skates over the wall of death and starts giving a speech to the crowd like, Don't you see they're killing him? They're killing him for ratings! 
Okay, that doesn't exactly seem right, but at the same time, it's, it's just Jonathan Cross, right? Are we really on the losing end here? Security pulls him down, and a random dude walks up, pulls out a gun, and, well, just executes him in front of everyone. I mean, what are you going to do? He's he's distracting the game. I mean, if someone is in the middle of a game, and they're yelling and, and distracting you from the game, don't you wish that sometimes security would just take him out? Okay, obviously I'm not advocating for violence, but, you know, remove the guy. But this this is Kazakhstan, and that's how they do it here, so whatever. Uh, all of Denny's mine friends, of course, watch all of his games. So they stand up. They're not pleased. I'm like, oh, man, they're going to start a revolution. Uh, but no, uh, they actually don't. They just start chanting, Jonathan, Jonathan. Some dude in the control room's like, this isn't in the script. <laughs> I'm like, well, folks, I don't know that Rollerball had a script. Uh, the people tell the mine, the security guards are like, sit down, mine people. And they're like, no, you don't control us anymore. Jonathan, Jonathan. I mean, this this shit kind of comes out of nowhere. It's definitely a fault of the movie. I'm sure that the original intent of the film before it was hacked to pieces involved like civil revolt and social justice and things like that. But, you know, all they're doing is chanting Jonathan. The, this part of the narrative has completely fallen by the wayside. Uh, so... I don't know. It's the movie's fault. Jonathan hears the chant, and he hawks up on the on the track. He starts beating up Bane, and then he makes Bane roller skate up one of the ramps. And as Bane is in the air, he pushes the dude's legs. Bane goes completely vertical, upside down. It's one of the worst wire food tricks I've ever seen. And he crashes into the other ramp and, like, fractures his skull and breaks his neck. You have to see it. You have to see it to believe it. Jonathan picks up the rollerball, and it's just him and the dude with the gold pooper scooper to determine the fate of all humanity here on the rollerball track. Gold pooper scooper guy. Eh, he thinks best of it, and he just lets Jonathan go about his merry way. Jonathan is skating around the track, picking up speed. Paul Heyman's like, do it! Do it! Holy shit! And in this case, holy shit equals Jonathan Cross dives through the plexiglass into the odor's box and hits a drop kick with his rollerblades to the face of Alexi. Now Alexi scurries away, and Jonathan fights off the two security guys that are in the booth with Alexi. He tosses the rollerball into the face of the dude that killed Ridley with the sniper rifle. But this this scene is awful. It's edited to shit. Because Chris Klein's on rollerblades, so he can't really do these stunts. So it's like he throws the ball. Cut. But we're still in the box. Cut to him punching. And then we cut to him stomping. Like, it's bad. Alexi runs to a little safe room with a pool hall in it, I guess. And he tries to get the shotgun out of a little closet. Jonathan has, like, a statue that looks like an ashtray. Alexi shoots a shotgun, but Jonathan, a la Captain America, uses this ashtray as a shield and beats the shit out of Alexi with the statue. Uh, I think to death, practically. We never really learn. Sanjay shows up in the little room. And uh, this is cross-cut with people in the crowd and the rollerball teams revolting against all the bad guys, killing them, stabbing them, breaking their necks. It's a lot of fun crowd revolt stuff, to be honest with you. Sanjay's like, well, Jonathan, now it's just the two of us. You've taken out one tyrant. Maybe you should now make a deal with his successor. 
and he pulls out a pistol. Jonathan spikes the camera and he's like, well, guess that means I'm not done yet. He grabs the shotgun Alexi was using and somehow he shoots the shotgun without pulling the trigger. All he does is squeeze the barrel and it shoots. Sanjay is executed. What? I didn't know you could shoot a gun that way. The rollerball faithful is just all over the track. Everybody's dying. It's civil revolt here in Rollerball City. Aurora has been freed. She finds Jonathan unconscious on the ground. She wakes him up like, hey, Jonathan. He straight up flinch, goes to flinch punch. You're like, whoa. It's pretty pathetic. Now, you could tell this is a reshoot because most of the blood that was on Jonathan is now gone. She starts carrying him. A little girl walks past Jonathan and touches him like, You are my hero, Jonathan Cross. Thank you for freeing Rollerball City. Aurora's like, Well, you started a revolution. They go to a pickup truck where some of the horsemen are sitting, uh, ready to scurry away out of Rollerball City. Jonathan's like, Well, where are we going? Aurora says, Well, first we go to a doctor. And then I might take you home to my bed. We freeze frame on Jonathan Cross's face. He's got a little shit-eating grin. Yeah, my Durango, number 95. And folks, Rob Zombie plays, and that is the end of Rollerball. Another movie on Junkman, ending with a music cue and a freeze frame. Again, the only thing we're missing is Jonathan throwing his fist in the air, shades of the breakfast club. Unreal. <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> so, it's junk, man. Is this movie junk? Oh, yeah. It's pure junk. This movie is awful. It's pathetic. And, you know, it is hacked to shit. There's hardly a narrative here. That night vision scene also is the icing on the cake for, oh shit, we're making a movie. We should probably get some lights in here. I I don't fucking know. I I don't know if there's a different, better, like, two-hour version of this movie out there. I don't... Look, Chris Klein is the star of this movie. More Chris Klein is not going to solve this thing. But, I... If somebody handed me, like, hey, this is the secret two-hour real version of Rollerball Director's Cut, I, I would watch it, but I'm also a sucker for director's cuts. I love to see how movies can be manipulated after the fact, so that's kind of just a me caveat. I'll, I'll leave you with this. Is it so bad? It's I, I don't know. I don't know if it's so bad it's good. It's so bad it's bad. If However, if you're a fan of mocking Chris Klein like I am, this is a must-watch in the Chris Klein filmography, and I think that's probably the best bow I can put on it. Well, fans, we did it. 100 episodes. Now, if you excuse me, Aurora also promised me, because my name also Jonathan, that I could join her in bed, so I'm going to get out of here. However, if you've enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe to the new TNN so you get notified when new content drops. Do us a favor, tell a friend, spread the word. And you know what? I don't have a glass with me, and I'm not Leonardo DiCaprio, but here's the Gatsby toast. Here's to 100 more. I'm Johnny C, 
a winner is you, we are Pop, and here's to Rollerball!